0: Hey, 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 you're listening to Good One, a podcast about jokes. Vulture's podcast about, you know, jokes and those who tell them. I'm your host, Vulture Senior Editor, Jesse David Fox. And, you know, this is a really good uh, episode. Uh, so when I first talked about doing this show, one of the, like, earliest examples I used for a potential guest was Will Forte talking about the back-to-back sex scenes in MacGruber. They're just the silliest, dumbest, funniest sex scenes, like, maybe in the history of movies. And that's what we're going to talk about today. What you should know is MacGruber was a simple, short MacGyver parody at SNL that Will turned into a full-blown 80s and 90s action movie parody with the sketch's co-creators Yorma Tacone and John Solomon. you don't need to know much about the plot to enjoy the scene, just know that right before this, Magruber was shot. The first scene is Will and Kristen Wiig, who plays his longtime partner. Then Will and Maya Rudolph playing his ex-wife, whose grave Magruber is visiting. To be 100% clear, Maya Rudolph is playing a ghost. There's some physical things that are worth checking out if you haven't seen the movie, but I like the idea of a person just hearing the scene and trying to picture what's happening. Wait, why haven't you seen MacGruber? D- don't answer that. You're already here. It'll be a nice time. But afterwards, just go watch it. Now that we have that settled, enjoy Wolf Forte's sex noises. I'm going to remove the bullet now. Do you want to bite down on this? I deserve pain. You're being too hard on yourself.
1: Or maybe the colonel was right. Maybe I've lost it. Why do you stick around?
0: Because I believe in what you're doing. You do? Yes. You're an amazing man. You're gorgeous. You have a perfect body. Great sense of style. You're smart and brave. I got it. Better get you sewn up. I'm a virgin.
1: Not for long. Baby, I don't understand why we can't just go along. Uh, 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 uh. I'm gonna, gonna freaking explode inside you I'm gonna mm-hmm. spill it. I'm gonna fill you up. Oh. I'm gonna fill you up What? I'm
0: gonna fill you oh. up.
1: Okay, just let me do the Sorry. oh yeah oh yeah, oh yeah oh
0: yeah oh yeah oh yeah oh, yeah. oh, oh I'm, gonna, I'm gonna do it
1: Ugh, ugh, ugh,
0: With Vicky.
1: I can't do that to you.
0: You have to move on with your life. I don't know what to say. And don't say anything.
1: Baby, all I know. That shall have a good
0: flesh. And blood.
1: Vicky, how you feel about her? I will. Oh, and Casey...
0: So I am here with the man behind that scene and those grunts, Will Forte. Thank you for coming here to talk about those wonderful sex scenes. Thank you very much for having me. So let's start a little bit back a little, so we can have some context. So, you know, the Gruber started as the sort of MacGyver parody on SNL, uh, and I should say the film was also co-written with Yorma Tacone or Tacone and uh, John Solomon. So, you know, there were these thirty seconds or so runners on SNL. So, you know, comedically, you know, what did you see in this character that you felt he could center an entire movie? Well, I mean,
1: originally I didn't even want to do the sketch. Yorma kept coming in and pitching the sketch, and I just didn't. I don't know. I felt like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, he. So week after week, I would say, "Let's write something else," and we'd do something else. And but after like the fourth week, I just felt like, you know, he's just going to keep pestering me with this thing. So let's try to. We'll see what what happens. So we we. I think my problem originally with it was that I, I think that he was we were all thinking of it as just a uh, a normal sketch that you would do and then once we kind of fell into that short film mm-hmm. idea then it started feeling like oh okay this this seems like it, there could be something here but uh, but I mean even then I just thought okay well <laughs> this probably won't make it on the show I was actually surprised when it went well yeah, like yeah. it but but uh you know cuz i thought it was it was just it was really dumb. <laughs> it was really dumb. it was fun and we put a lot of work into it and a- after we finished finished it and it aired mm-hmm. there was no part of me that thought oh we'll do another one of those it was just oh that was that was fun i yeah. was happy it did well and then i don't remember
0: why like i think lauren might have said oh do you want to do another one of those so we well i think they're also Useful time-wise to have, I think Lauren probably likes anything yeah, that can be for sure s- slipped into something. Yes, yes. So, so uh,
1: uh, we kept having fun doing them, and and would, uh, uh, but every step of the way, I kept thinking, oh, this will be the last one. And then they be- it became a fun thing to get to spend time with Yorma and John <laughs> writing because we all love hanging out with each other. You know, we just kept thinking. Yeah, this is, you know, eh, let's do one more, but yeah, but then call it quits. And <laughs> so, then this uh, opportunity to do a Pepsi commercial came up. I guess Pepsi had gone to to Lauren and said, you know, is there any uh, any is there a sketch that that you think would make sense for us to to do as a as a Super Bowl commercial? And so he he came to us because we had done a bunch of them by that point. And said, "Would would you guys want to do it?" I maybe because it was like a short film, it mm-hmm. made the most sense. And so then, almost immediately after we said, "Oh, sure, we'll we'll do that." Pepsi said, uh, 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 "We don't really uh, want this anymore." And <laughs> then Lauren said, "said You know what? Let's still do it. Screw it. You know, we'll put it on spec. Mm-hmm. If you if you make them good enough, maybe they'll still still want to do it." So we said, "All right. It, you know, it's great. We made the." Mm -hmm. the commercials and um i was pretty excited by how they turned out Uh, (laughs) but then the weird thing that happened was they said okay yes we're you know we will do it but then Mm -hmm. they for some reason aired the second of the three Mm -hmm. we basically did one that had this great reveal of richard dean anderson and Mm -hmm. and i thought that was the best of all of them but then for some reason the Second and third ones, we, we just made them just for them for the internet. Mm-hmm. We usually do them in three anyway. But they chose the second one, I think, because we say Pepsi a bunch in it. <laughs> but then, then sometime after that, Lauren's, Lauren said, I think somebody had approached him and said, either would you ever think about turning that into a movie or w- do you want to do another SNL mm-hmm. movie? And then once again, it was just like the Pepsi commercial <laughs> where... We said, "Oh yeah, okay, we'll we'll give it a try." And then and then they said, "No, I don't. We don't really want to do this." So, but somehow Lauren then I think worked it out with somebody else, and we just thought, "Oh yeah, let's give it a go. Why not?" And and uh, yeah, we so we scrambled to write this thing. We're still in production.
0: We're I guess it's st- interesting that it's fairly i think when i asked the question i assumed it'd be like you know there's this one time i saw this this kernel of this character that i felt oh i want to but mostly it was like you know lauren was like you want to try then it was too late we already had an idea
1: yeah so so we it you know we we were still doing the show which is a crazy schedule as is Mm -hmm. and we would just carve out as much time as we could and and uh took a couple a couple months uh to do the first draft and then and but lauren had said okay if you're doing this we got to do it at this certain time it's got to we have to Mm -hmm. actually shoot it i think it was beginning of august and we were just scrambling to get this thing together and um you know yorma i don't think had a ton of time to do pre-production and and uh so he was out in new mexico and john and i were kind of doing rewrites and we'd all get together as much as we could but it was uh it was a mad dash for sure
0: I had a quick question do you ever ask Yorma why did you ha- why did you have to be McGruber? Like why couldn't you know, there's other white males on the cast. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's a good point. Uh, I mean
1: I'm honored that yes. he we we used to write a lot of stuff together. He's he's wonderful. So yeah, I don't know why. why. I mean I guess maybe I was the saddest person <laughs> on the cast. It's like there needed to be a sadness to the character. Yeah.
0: Let's just get a sense of the timeline. So you're writing it during the seas- that season that yes. shot it during the summer of the season that you essentially Yes. Write between- so we
1: started writing it probably in March, I would guess, <laughs> Jesus. and and started shooting it in August. I mean, it could have been earlier than March, but I, I don't think so. I think we barfed out a first draft. It came out. It was. I don't want to say surprisingly easy, but there was just we kind of knew we wanted to have like a classic mm. action movie template, and the, that's you know the three of us grew up on on those things, and and would have John and I had roughly the same movie. Touchdowns, like we're we're the yeah. same age and Yorma's is a little bit younger so he had some of the younger mm-hmm. uh, things that he introduced us to and we showed him a couple of the old things which I think most of the stuff he had seen so it made it really you know there was so much stuff that we remembered from that and and just hit on
0: all those tropes do you th- writing it do you think of it as like a parody or you know like a satire you know like in, in what way is it different from like Hot Shots or Hot Shots Part 2 oh man I don't know I mean it's it's maybe in that it is
1: a little more lives in the reality of the thing it's not it's there's not that those i mean because those those are all i mean i love those movies too but i i think this is more just like committing to the reality of the thing and then Mm -hmm. no no winking yeah at the camera ever i think think it's also like now i feel like i'm saying they were winking i don't know well they
0: they would have discrete things and and i think more so it felt like the big difference is you. MacGruber is the center of it, opposed to Hot Shots, which is sort of like a pastiche of all these things. Where it's yeah. sort of like MacGruber's psychology, which is essentially a combination of all these things, guided the movie, opposed to let's This scene will be the scene we do this thing. Yeah,
1: I feel like our our thing was, hey, let's let's try to make a movie that could kind of be a legit action movie too. Yeah the first scene in the movie is there's nothing funny at all. And I know that was that was a concern for some people. Like, wait, we're making a comedy, why you know, so so you don't really laugh at all for <laughs> it, it till a couple minutes in.
0: For some people it's till the credits are rolling yeah. and they're laughing that they just Paid wasted money. that amount of money. When you're starting, what did you already know about McGruber? And then sort of what did you want to know as you're kind of fleshing out this person, because you know you're seeing him in little bits, so you kind of know that he's probably racist, and you kind of know that he's. But like, what did you know? And then what did what did you know to, to be enough that he kind of be a fleshed out character?
1: Man, I you know that that's just like little chunks of stuff. We know he's a total boob, and there was enough freedom from backstory that we could just do whatever we wanted with him. Mm-hmm. So. It was a lot of trial and error. There were a lot of things that, that we felt like, oh, no, maybe that's too much in this direction. I don't really remember how all the little things came together, but I think we we always knew that he was a dipshit. <laughs> you know, that was the, the main, that was the guiding principle.
0: Uh, so let's talk about uh, the scenes, in particular the sex scenes. Um, okay. Were they in the original draft? Do you know?
1: Yes, they were. So anyway... We knew that we knew, Okay, well, Kristen Wig, there has to be because we knew that that Maya was going to be Casey and and there was going to be this wedding that we had the idea for for her getting blown up at our wedding. And then we knew that there had to be this kind of tension between Kristen and I that that suddenly blossomed. So so that we did know about the sex scene and I kind of had an idea that I wanted to do those gross orgasm sounds because I had done this this show called Campus Ladies with my friends from the Groundlings, uh, Carrie uh, Carrie Newstadt and Kristen Susson. and they it was one of it was they had an orgasm scene in there and they said just make the dumbest noises so I did that and I called them and said is it okay if I if I <laughs> steal from from that. And they said that it was totally cool.
0: This felt like a, you know, like a thing that you had in your arsenal of types of sex noises. It's, it's, it's,
1: it's, yes, it's, (laughs) I've made those noises a bunch of times (laughs) and my friends can frustratingly acknowledge
0: that. Um, You know, it, it, in the movie, uh, these scenes happen, you know, right before the third act. So in so much as there is an arc for grouper, what do you think the sort of what did it offer in terms of story-wise before we kind of get into the, the comedy of it? What did the sex offer? Yeah, the sex or well, the sort it, of these romantic back and forth.
1: I think one of the, you know, one of the big things it, that drives MacGruber through the end is like this love for Vicky and wanting to save her and wanting to get get her back. So, so you know, like falling in love and, and also the, the tension between... Uh, that that was because you know Vicky used to be friends with Casey. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think was uh, was nice in there, and then you know, and and obviously then there's the Ryan Phillippe being upset as well. So try, having to go back in there and and go on a mission to get Vicky, you know that that all kind of work together yeah. to to bring that third act, and obviously you know having to save the the
0: world is is a little. It's a little part of it, yeah. In the opening credits, it it notes that MacGruber is a skilled lover. Are we supposed to be assuming that McGruber is is good at sex? <laughs> well, there's one. There's a thing in the beginning
1: scene where you first find me at the monastery. I have in my in my living room. painting that we what we like you we wanted to pan around the room but we were late it was our second day that we were shooting this so we couldn't get this but there's this painting of me with just the tiniest (laughs) just tiny tiny uh penis and so so it uh a self-portrait yeah (laughs) that mcgruber did and so that that was supposed to be part of it so i don't know it's it's kind of like He's good and bad all yeah. at the same time. He's probably very, very bad, but just, just like the perfect amount of bad for for Vicky.
0: Yeah, and it was interesting because next to each other, two scenes like Kristen's character because she's a virgin, she seems to be like reacting true to that moment, and so much as that she uh, tries to get in on it. Where Maya Rudolph like kind of already knows the dialogue. <laughs> yeah, she, it's old hat for her. Yes, yeah. I wanted to ask you about what I think might be the funniest line in the movie. Before the, the the sex itself, so um, you just get shot and you're, Kristen Wiig's character is like, should I sew up the, the wound? <laughs> and you say, no, I like holes.
1: Leave it open. I like holes. We're trying to make it as realistic as possible. <laughs> yes.
0: Another th- thing I wanted to ask, which I th- seems like a thing you might have debated, which is when MacGruber is having sex with Maya Rudolph's ghost, you deliberately cut away to a guy watching you have sex with no one. Yes, Which is uh, a choice, right? You could have her, this sort of mystery of like, are ghosts real in this movie? Yes. And you specifically decided not to. Was that a debate that you guys had? That was no debate. That was always the
1: way way it was, the way we wrote it. Interestingly, during that, there was a lot of interesting stuff that went down in that cemetery uh, that night. Number one, Maya Rudolph was eight, eight, maybe eight and a half months pregnant. Mm-hmm. So I'm just thrusting into this baby bump. I feel so. I feel so bad for that child. I I see her every once like. Uh, I feel bad for her, and every once in a while, she would, you know, there were certain positions that just were very hard on mm-hmm. a pregnant woman. So so we would we had for some of the the really uh, wide shots, we had a body double. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's very weird to be naked with just like there's a little, a little like coin purse over your penis and testicles. And it's weird to be thrusting into one of your very longtime friends. It's also very weird to be thrusting into a complete stranger. <laughs> and then it's also weird to be thrusting into the open air. If And that was kind of painful because I kept like, I would, there's nothing to stop your thrust. So mm-hmm. my like this area right below the knees would just keep going forward and it would just knock into the gravestone. It hurt so badly and I was going forever. And then I realized they were all laughing in the tent because they had already, like, they made me go, like, a minute longer. They just kept pretending that they needed me to do it. And I, oh, and there was a point right before we started where I turned around and I saw Lauren with this camera trying to take a picture so it's super cold. it's late late at night, and there's the way that the park is configured um you know, we made it look like a cemetery, but it's just this dug in park, and the acoustics are such that you can kind of hear everything that's happening up on the the uh the road up above, and we just kept hearing these retching noises. <laughs> and we're like, oh, it's such a bummer. Somebody is, you know, maybe there was a person who drank too much, a, a you know, homeless person. Uh, uh, it could be a person with a home too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but you know, just somebody was just vomiting all over the place. And then I heard later it was um, Ron Trost had gotten food poisoning. Ron Trost is the father of Brandon Trost, who was our... DP, Mm -hmm. who's like big famous DP, uh, done a ton of stuff now. He's just, you know, every of your favorite recent comedy movies, he's been the DP of. But his dad was our effects uh, head guy, and we were going to have him be the janitor, but he was just barfing all over the place. So you see his look that's kind of because he's, um, you know, supposed to be disgusted by me you know, having sex with nothing. And it's also kind of because he had been barfing all night and,
0: and he probably was it's about to meta. barf again. And then so what was shooting the Kristen scene like? I heard, I remember the story was that it was, it was really hot, but you were, you guys were even closer and she was right by your, your body.
1: Kristen, it was, it was, so we're in Albuquerque and it's the middle of the, you know, it's it's early August. We did, th- we did that one before the cemetery one. And we're up in this attic room, or certainly, I don't know if it's an attic or just in the, the upstairs of the house. And so it's it's hot because you can't have the air conditioner on mm-hmm. for sound reasons. And then they also have a bunch of lights that they're trying to, you know, <laughs> use to light the scene properly. So it's it's double hot in there. And then, you know, you start... That in that kind of situation, if I start making any kind of movement, I just, uh, I'm a sweaty person. So I just, like, I start to sweat. I can hold it together. If I was, like, just sitting around, I probably wouldn't sweat. But, like, one or two thrusts, and I'm just immediately lathered in sweat. Mm -hmm. And I felt so bad for her because she's, there was no place to go. Like, she's pinned beneath me. She... Was just, we had so many takes when we were going through editing. There are just huge beads of sweat, like it's like if King Kong was sweating on her. They they were so big and she would just get pelted. And it, it, like, between every take, there'd just be sweaty pieces of hair all over her. It it was such a bummer for her. They, I, I think. It was since it was her birthday, they sent her off to uh Santa Fe for the weekend and got her a nice spa
0: package and <laughs> to just get all of that <laughs> off. Just it. get it off her. I'd oh <laughs> I felt so bad for her. You you know, with all comedies you you shoot much more than you use. You know, was there a much longer version of this? Uh was there different parts to it than kind of what ended and up?
1: There were probably lines we cut. There were, there was a much, I, I'm always the, the, the guy pushing for mm-hmm. the long, super long version of this, just like, uh, but, but we, so it was a real negotiation between the three of us just trying to figure out what the, what the right length should be. And it would always be measured in pumps. And I, like, we just couldn't stop talking about pumps and i I even feel like after test screenings that would be like maybe we, you know the uh, you know maybe we should remove two pumps because it was like you couldn't it wouldn't be one pump it was like a rhythm thing so it either maybe it was always adding two pumps or taking away two pumps and uh yeah we did we i've never used the word pumps
0: so many times <laughs> You know, when I started this podcast, that's like exactly the type of insight I feel like I was hoping to give people that like literally comedians are like two pumps is exactly, you know, the two pump rule, you know, their ad. (laughs) Um, Were there any sort of other debates about what should be kept in or taken out of those scenes between the three of you? It was
1: it was mainly length, but there is uh, one the the, really the main fight that we had um, in editing was something that happens at the end of the the cemetery scene. I grab my stuff, and and she I, the, "What did she say?" She says, "Like go to Casey, tell her how you and tell her how you feel." And then I I I say, uh, "Casey, one more thing." And then she's gone. And it's during all the all the uh, the test screenings, we would just have me go, "Thanks," <laughs> and and which I I like as well but there was one where but i did a take that that we always wanted to try out and for some reason yorma would would not like he kept quote unquote forgetting to put it in and at this point like we would be we were back in production at snl so he was still still kind of doing the final tinkerings of the editing and we couldn't be in there like we used to be so we kept getting mad at him because he, he needed to try it. But the thing was like, uh, you know, it was just, uh, Casey, oh, Casey, one more thing, Casey or whatever it was. And and I turned around she's not gone. And I lovingly, you know, I had a little smile and I just go, smell you later. <laughs> and, uh, it was so loving and he thought it sounded disrespectful. And I'm like, no, I'm saying it to this person. I very obviously love. So it was, it was, uh, you know, it was the closest we came yeah. to a fight. And it's obviously a, like a, a playful fight. That was I could have done a better job of being concise about that story. I'm sorry.
0: It's a great story. <laughs> you know, I always find interesting reading film critics reviews of comedies, like hard comedies, because I feel like they have an inability to sort of distinguish between like just bad comedy or dumb comedy and things that are like you know, or like thoughtless comedy or like thoughtfully done things that are quote unquote dumb jokes. Yeah. And and it might be hard, but you know, how would you say is this what is different about a scene like this than sort of what is actually dumb? You know, like obviously when you're watching, you're like, that's so dumb. But you know, you if there is if there's one thing that you would say maybe like, oh, this is why this is sort of a distinguished thing. Do you think there's anything? Uh first of all,
1: we've D- dumb is how we describe it all the time. I remember Val was pitched a pitch an idea while we were there, and we just said, "That is so stupid." And he thought, "Oh, how? Di- I'm right here. How dare you?" We're like, "No, no, no, we, no. We love it. <laughs> we yeah. love that." And and put it in. Uh, uh, you know, God, I don't know. Yeah, you know, you always shoot for the good version of dumb, but sometimes it's just the dumb version of dumb. Uh, you know, uh, there's there's no way of. It's not even your your call it's it's whoever is watching yeah you know, i stand behind it this kind of hit my uh like i i'm proud of this level of dumb and mm-hmm. but you know a lot of people just think it's super dumb like i you know they're like oh, oh you, you're you proud of that movie and it's like i'm super proud of this yeah.
0: movie you know <laughs> we'll be right back after this word from our sponsor with more will forte Hi, it's me. It's Jesse from uh, the podcast. So I want to do like a little, a little, a little baby ad uh, for Vulture Festival L.A., which is coming up so soon and it's in L.A. So if you're in L.A., you should go to it on November 18th and 19th at the Hollywood Roosevelt. There'll be like all these events. Considering that you're listening to this podcast, let's start with the fact that we're doing a live episode of Good One with Paul Feig, uh, director of uh, Bridesmaids and Ghostbusters and The Heat, and Spy, and he also co-created Freaks and Geeks, and he's really great and funny. Also, because you're listening to this episode, well, Forte's going to be there as part of a Clone High reunion, which I truly can't believe is happening. Uh, we're also reuniting Bored to Death. Uh, okay, so let's just run through the last few. Sarah Silverman, Lena Dunham, Issa Rae, Crazy Girlfriend, American Vandal. Uh, it's going to be great. And for Good One listeners, we're going to give you a, a special 10% off code if you use the uh, discount code one 10 that's the good one, like the name of the podcast, the numeral one, the numeral zero, good one, ten, smush it together. I'm sorry. I know that's confusing. It's too late now. Uh, November 18th and 19th, Hollywood Roosevelt, VultureFestival.com, me, you, Paul Figue. everybody. It's great. See you there. We are back with Well Forte. You know, we're talking about the reception of it. You know... Before the movie came out, did you have certain expectations? Like, oh, maybe this will be a thing that works. You never, I mean, like, I think success in Hollywood is never guaranteed. You know, like, what was sort of the, what was your expectation of a thing? And then when did did it become clear that something else was happening?
1: Well, I had only experienced failure. You know, I had only done one or two things movie wise i did the brother solomon that did even worse than this so to me it was almost a triumph like a shattered brother solomon (laughs) numbers (laughs) that that was a little bit it was a different experience but so so this was uh I, i i i tried to lower my expectations but it's tough as we went through it it's like oh my god i'm very excited i'm so i'm excited by how this movie is turning out god what i wonder if people will go see it. That's so, you know, mm-hmm. you just you can't help but kind of get excited, but you're trying to temper it with with that thought that like, well, you know, everything's out of your control and I don't know. So so it's it's hard
0: not to get excited about it when you're yeah. proud of it. Now kind of moving on forward, you know, opposed to movies, television like demands sort of that. it You know, you need to have your size of an audience and then you have to have them want to keep on coming back. And then sort of Last Man on Earth, you have this thing that, you know, four season in there's a certain amount of critical and commercial success. Do you have any thoughts about sort of, you know, what is different about it? Or even in general, what is different about you know, they're both so you, but sort of what about translating your brain do you think that Last Man on Earth does? It's an interesting
1: process because I go into everything. I just assumed, oh, this'll be like because it's essentially last man on earth has a you know a ton of Mm mcgruber style stuff like i'm basically a a boob again and 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 you know there's a lot it's so funny because kristen wig just was uh she just did the last three and it was so much fun and there were so many like we, we just had so much fun working together but it really felt so much like mcgruber there were a bunch of times and it'd be like oh do this like like you know maybe try it try it like mm-hmm. like this or or oh i'll do this thing kind of like this or yeah that we uh, it's kind of a, a recurring joke that we have is is basically torn out of mcgruber which is i mean it's a joke that other people have done too mm-hmm. but it's like the uh why would he do this with the real? he wanted, well, he wanted to get the, uh, get the passwords. Yeah. <laughs> Thought of it uh, the same time, even slightly before. Like we do that yeah. joke all the time. So I did that with her. And uh, I mean, we would just all the time, I'd say, you know, we would do a line. And then yeah. I'd do a line from Gruber that was basically same line. It's the same thing type of joke and we would laugh about that
0: I was in part of an interview with Bob Onkirk and he was saying he was talking about how much he liked last man on Earth and he was saying That's like nice and he was saying that he figured it out him and you know Lord and Miller they figured out how to make will forte make sense for certain people he's like and he literally says like I couldn't I guess I didn't get it like he admitted part of his failings of uh brother Solomon was sort of like and This is not a time for you to, but I'm just saying, I think what he, what he was getting at is, um, there's a certain amount of, you know, comedy is a form of communication and last man on earth felt like, oh, this is a way that he, he's allowing more people into sort of whatever the conversation is of what the joke is. And it's a matter of like, if you have any insight about what is different specifically about. Last Man on Earth. Even if the comedy, as you said, is so similar.
1: First of all, going in, I had the same fears. It was like, oh, I'm. I was very proud of the pilot, and so it was very exciting when the ratings started off so so well. It was just a new feeling to mm-hmm. to be a part of something that was relatively successful. It was just a very very exciting. And then you know, some sometimes around the you know throughout the first season. We were just learning how to write a show. I had never done anything where I had to, you know, it's only sketches or mm-hmm. had written a few movies, but this was a new experience being part of this machine where you got to churn out new stuff and you make mistakes along the way. And there, you know, we'd certainly lost viewers, but then we course corrected at, at times. And you know, we never we never tried to we we would you know we want the audience to like the show, but we would never. We would listen to the things that we would just learn from our yeah. mistakes, or hopefully try to. And you know, we don't. We certainly don't. Um, I th- I know there are a lot of people who think that that my character is just too much of an imbecile all the time. And I, and it's like, okay, well, yeah, you're not going to like the show then because that's not going to change. And we always try to buy him back. And you know, we're I, you live with a degree a degree of that. But it's. But I I think that we just kind of got lucky in the beginning that it's it's an interesting scenario yeah. and, and i i i think that really helped is it, it is something that that people are curious about like oh what would you do if you know it's something i i would you know so i i think that really really helped and and you know, as I said, certainly we've lost viewers along the way, but I think we've then gained some. And I, you know, it's a, it's always like with most shows, it's usually a net loss along the way, especially one, when it's serialized in comedy, that's, that's tough because you, you know, somebody misses a week and then they're like, oh, I'll, you know, catch up later. And, you know, you have a certain degree of that, but it's, you know, I'm, I, we're, we're still hanging on and, and, uh, still trying to the best show we can every week and having a lot of fun i'm very very proud of the show and yeah, i'm
0: healthy i'm li- well i'm alive what have you learned from working on this show and having people respond to the show that you hope to apply to you know working on a sequel to mcgruber
1: it is the one thing i can't wait to do i mean it's you know there's uh, there's every second of every day is taken up with doing this show when i'm doing it you know it's it it starts this weekend. Start, we'll start to get crazy because then I'll be writing and editing and acting. And it's just like mm. seven days a week. It's nuts. And maybe if we're you know we're kind of ahead of the game, so it might change. But like the second that we're not doing this show anymore, and we tried to do it during the last hiatus, but things just got a little too crazy. But mm-hmm. um, but the the second I'm not doing it. That's it. That's the only thing I want to do, you know? Yeah. I mean, so, obviously if um you know, Martin Scorsese wanted me to sure. be the lead in his movie, I maybe I'll carve out a little time, but but uh you know but, yeah. but it, And it's made it's it's not even it's mainly just because I like spending time with John and Yorma, and and it would mean I'd get to spend time with Chris and Wig and and Ryan Filippi and Val and all these wonderful people who just are are awesome. Brandon Trost
0: and all these great great guys. But, but do you think there's anything specifically from the exper- the Last Man on Earth experience, that you think would make MacGruber Two or whatever you would call it better, or would help it? Yeah, I, I think
1: just you just learn about
0: yourself a little uh, along the way and you just learn to be a better storyteller. You know, your career is sort of interesting in you know, you have this sort of comedy that you've you've wanted to make, but you've continually been able to make it in sort of sort of more mainstream Hollywood system. It's so much like, you know, SNL is this institution that's on NBC and Berggruber was, though a cheap movie was still like, uh, you know, a studio movie and then you have this sort of network's sitcom where you know a lot of comedians that you know might be more sp- specific i don't know like um like you know fred Armisen or even like kind of broadly tim and eric you know they they do things kind of they do specific things on a smaller scale you know they would you know only do you know last man on earth as a cable show might be like six episodes and you do it like once every four years do you ever kind of wish or think about what your career would be like if you were kind of working in smaller scales? That you, if you had more time, I, I definitely think about it. it's, it's the, the,
1: this schedule is 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 very very hard on me. It's the physical and mental toll is like I, I it's kind of impossible to to really put into words what a stress ball it is, and because of my nature i'm a little ocd and i i'm uh i can't let go of things i i am just in it for months and months and months and months at a time with no break um so yeah i think all the time like i i don't think i could do this again i don't i don't think mm-hmm. you know i i i can't i won't be able to let go until this show is we're not doing it anymore you know i'm i've started this thing and it's like
0: i'm not gonna i'm not gonna abandon it it, I mean, it's a thing that, you know, people that have obsessive tendencies would then... It's a perfect thing. It's like a perfect storm of, oh, I obsessive with this thing. And then once I get out of that storm, I can, oh, there's more things. It's sort of a... Yeah. There's no... There's never a time that I feel like,
1: oh, I could go see a movie tonight. or You know, I mean, this season is feeling a little different, but the last two seasons, it was... There's... It's seven months of... You know, one, one year on New Year's, I was writing until 11.55, and I went next door for the ball drop and came back at 12.05 and kept writing until 3 in the morning.
0: And then it was th- that yeah for,
1: you know, seven months.
0: yeah, You know, it, beyond sort of just like you'd watch movies, do you have any sense of kind of like the type of projects you would do if you had you know, freedom of sort of obligation in terms of, like, regardless of, like, kind of MacGruber, and it seems like MacGruber is the type of thing, but if you sort of platform agnostic or whatever, as they say, if you just, like, what sort of things would you like to be trying out, you know? Like, I think after Nebraska, you're you're afforded a certain sort of luxuries of you can... No one knew what was next for Will 14. You kind of made this show. Just a little thought experiment. Like, what things do you think you'd be doing? I never really... I mean, after,
1: you know, Magruber 2 is the only planning mm-hmm. that I would do. That's something I will do. I have to do. After that, it's, I don't ever go like, I want to shoot off in this area. It's mm-hmm. just more like, you know, if, if something, if something seems interesting, you know, I'm not at a point where, you know, I'm like a, Highly sought after movie actor or anything, so it's you know I I just get if I read something that sounds great, you know I would try to see if I can get the part, but it's you know it's not it's not up to me, yeah. And so it's I kind of just enjoy the way I've been going about it, which is just just kind of living life from day to day, and you know not not really planning out whatever, just you know if something seems interesting no matter what the genre giving it a go Mm. you know and and uh like james franco is i look at that guy and it's like oh that's awesome he when he did that soap opera it was you know it's just like oh that's that's what a what a interesting like he you know he just kind of does what he feels like when he feels like it you know it's it's i i you know, I, I, you just kind of have this feeling of what you should be doing at the time. If it's, I don't put too much pressure on. Oh, is this the right decision? And it's like, yeah. ah, does this seem like it would be fun? And do I feel like I would maybe do a good job at this? And, um, you know, yeah. it, it, other than that, I, I don't really that. And you know, you're gonna make MacGruber too. I. Uh, that's the one thing. That's the one thing I know. I
0: know we're gonna try to make MacGruber sure. too. I can't even say that we will. <laughs> All right, so that sound means it's time for our final segment, which is uh, the laughing round. So it's like a lightning round, but because it's comedy, it's a, a laughing round. Okay. Okay. Uh, so you know, lightning round rules apply. Uh, so answer as quickly as possible, okay. uh, but not too fast. It doesn't work. It's not that big a deal. Anyway, uh, one one
1: like no one sentence. No. Okay. Some
0: things will be stories, so you don't don't. Worry okay. About okay. Uh, or in this case, uh, please sing whatever song is stuck in your head currently. Uh Oh, my God, the weirdest thing. And it hasn't been stuck in my head. We can be
1: eagles without wings. We can be turtles without shells. We can be children without fingers. We can be bellboys without bells. That was just some show that I did with a buddy 15 years ago called The Otis Day Party. And we said that was
0: our own song that we yeah. wrote. And I have no idea why that just popped into my head. It's laughing around you never know what to say um i this is a question i always wondered are you good at singing cuz you're good at sort of you you do I, sp- singing a lot but i don't know if
1: i can hit notes yeah. and i can harmonize but i have a kind of a nasally <laughs> ugly voice so like i can competently sing songs and there's sometimes that actually like i did this 30 rock um where uh Jane Krakowski and I sing Silent Night as uh, I'm the black swan from the uh, Natalie Portman movie, and she is Lynn Swan. And, uh, and we sing this, and, and I, I do the high parts, which is crazy. And it actually, I listened to it the other night for some reason, and it's beautiful. And I'm like, I do, my mom is right. I do have the voice of an <laughs> angel, but
0: sometimes it just sounds like, crap let's say you're to host snl what would you like to revisit in terms of old sketches and or characters
1: i would love to do the espn guys with the uh, jason because that's just pure fun all the time what else uh, uh maybe doing that the hamilton character <laughs> you know
0: what one, one time i interviewed bill Hader and i asked him what makes lauren laugh and he said will forte screaming do you <laughs> Do you ever remember a specific time when you made Lauren laugh? Um,
1: I, I can't remember a specific time. I, I, you know, I, I certainly. That's that's. It's really fun to watch him laugh. Like when he's really into a sketch. It's it's fun to watch because you know he's seen so much comedy in his life, and and you know co- comedy that I I, you know the like he's yeah. one of the. People who shaped my comedy mind with the show he put out. So, like it, you know, it's fun to
0: see him laugh at anything when it's at something you've done specifically. Um, that's exciting. Benjamin Franklin was famously your SNL white whale, and so much as you kept on trying to get it on, but never did. But then you finally did it on Seth Meyers. Or and I don't know actually. I actually was confused what white whale meant, or because maybe spelling bee was your white whale because you did get it on the air. Is there a sketch? that you swore was insanely funny, that completely bombed a table to a point where you never submitted it again, but you will go to your grave believing it was funny? And if so, what is that sketch? Um, no.
1: (laughs) I mean, I I, I don't know. I look back now, you know, certainly I'm sure there were sketches at the time, but I'm, I'm a stubborn dude. So, like, that Spelling Bee sketch I put up five times and like that's you don't do that like you put it up sometimes twice you never put up a sketch three times but it was like no i've you know that was a sketch i had done at the groundlings 70 times or something like that and it's like it's a it's a scary sketch to do because you're just doing you know people don't like it in the very beginning you are in for a long period of uncomfortable like, but, but it's, you know, it's like, to me, that was, it was worth the chance and it went really well to the table read each time. And, and, uh um, so I kept putting it up like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to keep doing it. And, and Gentleman Franklin was the, the part of that where. I, I can't say that it would have done well on the show because you know it's you can't judge it off yeah, yeah. of the Seth Meyers thing. It's like you know the whole backstory of it. You know yeah. how we had, how much it meant to me and like you know so it's it's so stupid to watch this dumb thing that you're like oh he wanted this to be <laughs> yeah because the then it's
0: a completely different what joke. Then idiot. it's a joke yeah. about how Will Forte thought this was funny.
1: But to me, it that it it would go well enough at the table read that it was like. Hey, I'm in my eighth year at this show. Just let me try it out. Yeah, and it's not like you know those shows were filled with gold from you know top to bottom. It's like they, you know, I don't know. I felt. By the way, if this seems like I'm, you know, that's this is one <laughs> take this <laughs> sketch. Uh, John Bovey, That's another one I would do uh, uh, oh, with yeah. Sudeikis. Uh, but anyway, I, I keep thinking of things that were just so much fun to do. But like that that was that was one I I thought should have gotten a chance. And it probably would have bombed. It probably would have bombed. But like, you know, I don't know. You it earned the fun. right to
0: bomb on a well, thing that I think came at a from. certain point, like you would go
1: you would go to the show and you would put up things in the early going that would go very well at the table read and maybe wouldn't get in and then you you know they would say hey look you're still new um or me or or if you put up two things and both those went well only one of them would get in and you go wait i I think that both those deserve to get in the show and they're like you know what wait till you're yeah older and this was that thing where i'm like hey remember what you guys said i feel like that should have been the case (laughs) and it should have at least gotten a shot and uh so so but by the way uh lauren michaels gave me a career i i you know he can make any decision he wants i, I mean this whole reason we're here tonight talking about mcgruber is all because of him fiercely fighting for us to make it like yeah. he he willed that thing into existence i mean i can't thank him enough and i freaking love that dude He's yeah so great
0: that's really funny that you're still a little bit mad, even though you did get the job No, out. I mean, I got, some, I got, got it out of my act, system a little, now. A little bit.
1: I got it out of my system on, on uh, Seth.
0: That's it for another episode of Good One. You can download our stream with Gruber on Amazon or iTunes or, you know, places like that. Last Man on Earth currently airs Sundays on Fox. Follow Will Forte on Twitter at Orville IV. Good One is produced by Jordan Bell and Jennifer Lai. Justin D. Wright did our theme song. Write a review and rate the show on iTunes. Five stars, please! And hey, if you know anyone who might, you know, like the podcast, maybe tell them, what the heck? You can email any comments, questions, or laughing around suggestions to goodonepodcast at gmail.com. I am Jesse David Fox, and you can follow me at Jesse David Fox. We'll be back with a new episode next Monday. Have a good one.